Amen. Take your seats. Lovely to see you this morning. Thanks, guys. So there's a story about a pencil maker. Stop me if you've heard it before. And he wants to give some practical advice to a pencil that he's made just before he sends it out into the world. So he calls it aside just before putting it into the box. And he says, there's four things you need to know before you head out there. And if you remember these four things, you're going to be the best pencil you can be. Number one, you'll be able to do many things, but you'll have to be held by someone else's hand. Two, you'll experience being sharpened from time to time, and that might hurt a bit, but it'll make you a better pencil. Three, the most important part of you is always what's on the inside. And four, if you ever find yourself in a pencil case, and you can't figure out who the boss is, it's always the ruler. <laughs> the pencil understood and promised to remember and went in the box with purpose in his heart. This morning we are continuing through the Immerse Bible reading series by looking at the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs is full of wisdom just like the pencil maker gave to the pencil. It's practical, it's small bite-sized chunks, and it's designed to help with everyday life. Like the pencil, we have a creator who intends for us to flourish and live lives of beauty and goodness on the earth. <clears throat> the Bible says there's a way of wisdom which is rooted in deep reverence and respect for God that leads towards life. So when it comes to the book of Proverbs, we can think of them as general guidance and instructions for living well in God's complex world. Now, as human beings, there are not too many things that unite us across the board. But one thing that does unite us is that most people, especially guys, apologies guys, we don't like reading instructions. Stick your hand up if you don't like reading instructions. Do you often skip past the instructions? I'm hoping to get a few hands there. <clears throat> There's a story that went round that whenever computers came out with built-in CD drives that actually the computer companies got loads of phone calls from people who were saying, the onboard coffee cup holder doesn't work. My cup keeps slipping out of it. And what was happening was people were not reading the manual. And, and actually evidence shows that manuals are getting smaller and thinner as the companies try to figure out how to continue to get people to read them. People will go on YouTube, they'll talk to their friends, they'll do anything but read the manual. The passage we read this morning from Proverbs is the opening passage from Proverbs, and it's written by Solomon, and this is his collection of wisdom that he has accrued over his life. Solomon is said to have been one of the most wisest person, people who ever lived. Um, his wisdom was as vast as the sand on the seashore, the Bible said. And God asked Solomon at one stage what he wanted more than anything, and he asked for wisdom to govern the people. And so the Lord made him really, really wise. His stated purpose for this collection of wisdom <clears throat> is to teach the readers two things, and that's wisdom and discipline. And they're kind of two sides of the same coin, in a sense. Proverbs chapters 1 to 9 
are all about how these two paths exist in life. And one path leads to wisdom and life and flourishing, and the other path leads away from all that towards folly and death. Learning wisdom is all about following that way of life. The ancient Israelites would have understood all of this. They would have understood that actually wisdom is intensely practical, not theoretical or and just an idea to be grappled with. It's something to be lived out and a skill to be learned. The word for wisdom encompasses understanding, insight, knowledge, good judgment, and good moral sense. And as I say, today we might call it the skill of living well. Ancient Israel would have also recognized that that wisdom is an attribute of God. It's, it's part of who God is, that all wisdom comes from God, and that the universe, the world, and human beings are created through the wisdom of God and sustained by the wisdom of God. And then there's discipline as well. The word discipline here is about receiving instruction and correction and being willing to submit ourselves to that. And that's getting harder and harder these days. It's more and more difficult. Um, with everything that we see online and people sharing their opinions and views where everybody has a platform to actually humble ourselves underneath somebody else's wisdom. In 2004, I went to London and studied a course in advanced stonemasonry at uh, a place called the Building Crafts College. And basically what we were doing was learning traditional stonemasonry techniques that really hadn't changed that much since the time of the Normans. They'd been passed down from generation to generation for hundreds of years, from master to apprentice. The apprentice becomes the master, passes it on to the next apprentice. And we were using mallets and chisels to shape stones. <clears throat> and what we had to do when we got there, we all didn't know what we were doing at all. And, and uh, they took us in. <clears throat> and the very first thing that we had to do was shape a rough block of stone and put one flat surface on it. We had to use the mallet and the chisels and all these other tools to, to create a flat surface on top of the stone. And it was all rough to begin with. And so we worked and worked at this and we were taught a method of how to do it. And every day as we worked at our stones, when we thought we had them flat, the teacher would come over and set the ruler on top of the bit of stone. And if you could see any daylight coming at any point underneath the ruler, they would say that was no good. There was a, a, a tolerance of less than a millimeter. And so you'd have to start the process all over again. And in those moments, it was really frustrating. You kind of felt like you'd been working on it for days. Somebody was telling you it wasn't good enough. You were going to have to start again. And there was a temptation to just throw the head up. But the point is that if we had have done that, we wouldn't have got to go on and attain the wisdom we needed to do more complex work. If we had pushed back and not submitted ourselves to the discipline and correction that was coming our way, we would never have advanced. And it's very similar with the way that God works. Wisdom is a skill to be learned, and the way to learn it is through the exercise of discipline and submission, and through the daily practical outworking of it in our lives. So verse three, after Solomon has made his first introduction, he goes on and says, their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives and to help them to do what is right and just and fair. 
So the instruction that is there in Proverbs is there to help us live good lives. And if we read it honestly, asking the Lord for wisdom and seeking to practice the wisdom we learn, Solomon says that we will become wise and our lives will be successful. Now his definition of success and our definition of success might be slightly different. But the bottom line is that James says in the New Testament that we are not just to be people who hear the word of God, but we must do what it says. We have to put it into practice. Otherwise, we're just fooling ourselves and there's no actual transformation happening. So as people who have been filled with the Holy Spirit, who live in the presence of God in our lives, we want to seek to work out the things that we learn from Scripture by practical use of that knowledge every day and that is how we will build wisdom so if we're going to do that and we're going to seek to live out the wisdom that we read about in proverbs in the belief that it will bring about human flourishing and lead us to lives of goodness and beauty throughout the ups and downs of life and all of that that comes, that we can actually still have moments of goodness and beauty even amidst the trials because the wisdom is growing and giving us resilience. We need to understand what we're reading and we need to understand how to properly apply it to our lives. So like any instructions, they have to be studied to be fully understood. Verse four, Solomon goes on and he says, these proverbs will give insight to the simple knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. The middle section of the book of Proverbs, chapters 10 to 29, consists of hundreds of these little two-line sayings, which cover all sorts of topics like family and forgiveness and marriage and debt and work and farming and sowing and developing character and many, many other things besides. <clears throat> the majority of the Proverbs are in catchy two-lined Hebrew, Hebrew poetry form. And the reason for that is that they're designed to stick in your mind. The way that they used to teach this to people was that um, they would get the student and they would say the first line of the proverb and the student would have to re repeat the second line and they would learn lots of these. I don't know how many, but lots and lots, more than I could ever learn. And so the idea was that you could take this wisdom with you and you could use it to develop uh, a muscle of wisdom in your life by allowing it to guide you and allowing it to become a reflex of how you react to the complexities that you meet every day and to give you a framework to view those complexities through and to think about how you might apply the Lord's wisdom in those circumstances. So while they're easy to remember, the thing that Proverbs are not is promises. And this is where a lot of people run into trouble with, uh, with Proverbs because it's not a book of unfailable promises from God, like the law, or like any other promises that come up in Scripture. Because what these are are short sayings that point towards truth 
in a way that can be remembered. So they're not trying to say everything about the truth that they're communicating. And so they can't be just used at face value. You have to look at them and develop the wisdom and discernment to apply them well to your life. There's a proverb at 26 verse 9 that says, like a thorn that goes up into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of fools. So it's communicating that idea that these things can be used to cause harm if they're not used properly. One example of this has been Proverbs 22.6, and it says, direct your children onto the right path, and when they're older, they will not leave it. And the first time I heard it, I thought, happy days. That's great, we'll just do some Bible time at home, and we'll do a bit of family praise time and all that sort of stuff, and we'll get them going, and then they'll not leave that path. But as I thought about it, it became a bit of a sword hanging over my head, because if they didn't go on the path, then it was obviously down to something that we hadn't done in the home. It is great wisdom, and it should be something that families aspire towards, to really train their children to follow Jesus, and to model what it looks like to joyfully follow him. But it also can be used in a way to bring condemnation and to produce guilt for people who are feeling the heartbreak of having watched family members walk away from their faith, walk away from their walk with the Lord. And those parents must sit at home and think, what did we do wrong? Why didn't we get them on the road? Why didn't we train them up in the way they should go? But if you look back at kings, you will see that there were good kings who had not so good sons. So they're not unfailable promises and you have to look to apply them with wisdom in your life. So that's why Solomon says, explore the meaning in these proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. By the way, we should pray for our kids and our families and those people that we know who don't know Jesus, that they would have an encounter with the Lord and that they would come back to him or get to know him for the first time. And we should never give up hope because just at the right time when he decides, he can bring about complete transformation. And his ways are higher than our ways. So we can never write anybody off. We can't decide that it's too late. Because while there's breath, while there's life, there's hope. So it's good to pray. It's good to pray for your children as they grow. It's good to pray for those people you know who don't know the Lord. And have faith that their time will come. Finishing off his introduction to the book of Proverbs, Solomon sums up the message of everything he's learned, the whole summation of his wisdom in the book of Proverbs in this one verse. He says, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. And this is the dominant theme throughout the whole book of Proverbs. Now fear there doesn't mean to be frightened and want to run away from God. It means to have reverence and deep respect and awe towards him because of how awesome he is and to bow down before him. And I was just thinking back to uh, Isaiah where Isaiah gets a vision of God in the temple and he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. He's utterly undone before the Lord. And, And this is the proper reverent fear before the Lord. Reverence, deep respect, awe, but not seeking to, not wanting to run away, not wanting to hide, knowing that the Lord loves you and knowing that his power 
and his wisdom is at work to bring about the restoration of all things in the new heaven and the new earth. Solomon must have known all of this at one stage with his great wisdom, but at some point on his journey, bear in mind he was reported to be the wisest man that ever lived. His heart turned away from God. He lost his way. God had warned him not to uh, have too many wives, not to uh, really dabble in anything that would distract him from his relationship with God, but he did, and I guess it was probably down to pride because he thought to himself, I'm Solomon, nobody's, nobody's going to turn my head, you know. But actually, in the end, it did get him, and, and he, he ended up turning away from, from the worship of God alone and started to worship other gods as well. And really, in that, the seeds of his destruction were sown. The seeds of the destruction of the temple that he had built for God were sown, and really the seeds of destruction for all of Israel were sown. See, the truth is that when the first man and the first woman rejected wisdom in the garden, rejected God's way of human flourishing by choosing their own way, everything became fractured, and not even the wisdom of the wisest human, the clearest instructions could point the human race in the right direction to put things back together. But the good news was that where the instructions failed to get the job done, the maker himself came to fix all things once and for all, for all eternity. And in that offering the beginning of wisdom to anyone who would receive it from him as a free gift, and that gift's available today as much as it was two and a half thousand years ago, it's real folly in the world's eyes to think that anything could be accomplished through the crucifixion of a Messiah figure. And yet that's exactly what God chooses to do. He takes on flesh in the person of his son and dies a criminal's death as a substitute for those who rejected him. Who in the world would think that that is wisdom? No one. And yet... For those of us that believe, I believe we'll spend eternity looking back at the cross and marveling at the wisdom of God. Paul says, what appears to be folly is the wisdom of God. In 1 Corinthians 1, 18, <clears throat> he says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. In verse 24, he says, But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of true knowledge. And that's why a right relationship with him is the foundation of all wisdom and knowledge. And the beautiful thing about it is that by his spirit, he's in the room with us today. The wisdom of God. It's seeing God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in all of creation. Through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, believers get a lens to view the entire world through. 
Creation is complex. It's messy. Our lives are complex and messy at times. But an encounter with Jesus brings wisdom and it gives us a framework to figure out how to respond. All we need to do is come, submit ourselves. The Bible says we can ask for wisdom if we lack it. And start to search and figure out what it is that the Lord's trying to say to us. Believers can now read the book of Proverbs afresh in the light of the resurrection of Jesus and, and seek to apply the wisdom there in the power of the Holy Spirit to live that life of beauty and goodness and grow in favor with God and humankind all brought about by the power of God shown in human weakness on the cross. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't started that journey with Jesus, you should do it right now. And you can come to him. His offer is always available to you. Accept it. Accept his wisdom, the wisdom of the living God into your life. Take that pressure off of always having to know what to do. You know, we always have to take our phones out and look at what's going on in the world and figure out an intelligent response. And sometimes I think the best thing we can say is, I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. But we can accept the wisdom of God and be people who don't say, I don't know with no hope. But we can live in the tension of knowing that there's one who does know, even though we don't. And he gives us peace that passes all understanding. So we don't, we don't live in that tension in the way the world does, where we're frantic with worry and we can't settle. We live with peace and with hope because we know he's greater. And he's overcome death. And he's with us by his spirit, giving us wisdom. As you read through the book of Proverbs, possibly this week, I'd really encourage you to. You might be reading this part of the Immerse group, chatting about it in the Immerse group. Great place to be sharpened and think these things through. Billy Graham used to say that he read through the Psalms, five Psalms a day, every day, and he then read a proverb, a chapter of Proverbs every day. And he read the Psalms to figure out how to relate and get along with God. And he read Proverbs to figure out how to relate and get along with people. And if you read five psalms a day for a month, you'll have read all the psalms. And if you read one chapter of Proverbs a day for a month, you'll have read all of Proverbs. And Billy Graham did that for years. And he did all right. <laughs> As you read through the book of Proverbs this week, I want to encourage you to be honest with yourself. This is a bit I didn't get until I started reading this. Was I've always read it in a kind of way and thought, yeah, you know, it's like, Fortune cookie, fortune cookie wisdom, you know. But actually, when you start to think and look for your own blind spots in it and say, do, do I do that? It can really begin to search you as you read it. And that can be uncomfortable because we all have blind spots, but the Holy Spirit is there. He's the helper. And he's not there to condemn you with these blind spots. He wants you to get past them because he wants to call you on to greater and greater work. He wants you to learn discipline, to be corrected, and to flourish in wisdom. It may be uncomfortable for a while as you do that, but just know that whatever it is that you are seeing in yourself, God's not getting up and leaving the room just because you're coming up short. 
or because you have something that you didn't really want to talk to anybody about. He sees it. We said it last week. You're fully known by God, better than we know ourselves, warts and all, and yet we're fully loved. Maybe you'll take some time to pick out a particular proverb, one that you think is something that, yeah, I think I do that, you know, something that the Spirit highlights to you. It might be the same as me. I, I was reading this week and Proverbs 10, 19 just hit me between the eyes. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. That's what it says. I was like, I'm always just going on and on. And it rarely ends well. You know, you think I should have stopped three bus stops ago. So I'm trying to work on that one. But let the Spirit use it to develop wisdom. Seek to live out that proverb that you feel the Spirit is highlighting to you. Not in isolation, but in light of the whole book. Using all of that wisdom to help you think God's thoughts. Help you have his view on the world. And it's like working that muscle of discipline. And you might want to write it on a post-it note, put it on your desk at work, put it on your fridge, somewhere it's going to remind you until you feel that, yeah, I've done enough work with that now, I'm going to go on to something else. If you're having difficulty finding something, you can read it with a friend, a trusted brother or sister in Christ who's mature and who's going to help you search it and think, yeah, maybe this is something you should look at in a, in a way that's kind and gentle. If you're in Christ today, God has adopted you into his family. And Proverbs is largely a, a collection of wisdom from Solomon to his son. And, and, and when you read it, you think, this is actually God talking to us. Because he's the author. Solomon held the pen. But God's the author. And he's calling his children and giving them a pattern for life to navigate those ups and downs. And so you can turn to him today in confidence as a loving father. And in verse 8 and 9, just past our reading, it says, My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. What you will learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. Let's pray. Let's pray.